Welcome to the Lows to Highs podcast. I am your host, Karin, and on this show, you will learn how to live a present life, find gratitude in all of the low moments, and experience freedom and bliss as you propel into your higher self. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today, I am speaking with a longtime friend, Maria. Maria and I go way back. It's funny enough, we lived in the town next to one another, and as we were children, we shared a mutual friend, so I have known her for, oh my gosh, like over a decade at this point, and we reconnected back in 2022. I went to a healing workshop with Mary Spirito, who I'm going to be talking all about in my next solo episode. She is a healer, spiritual coach, all the different things. And Mary was hosting a healing workshop in New York that I went to. And the first person I saw when I walked into the room was Maria because Maria was an apprentice for Mary. And over the past couple of years, Maria has created her own community called Raging Nice Lady, which is a resource, support system, and a disruptor in menstrual cycle education, which if you guys have listened to my episodes and you know my history with endometriosis and hormonal imbalances and gut issues and my entire health journey, you know that this topic means a lot to me. And I'm really, really excited to talk about it with, with Maria and share it with you guys. She is helping women, not just in their teens, but also in their 20s and their 30s and 40s about how to live cyclically for better periods and also just creating an infrastructure for young girls to fully understand what is happening to them on a hormonal level each month. There is so much ambiguity when it comes to women's periods and hormone health. And I feel like in Western society, when you're a teenager and you have really bad cramps, the first thing doctors do is put you on birth control without really explaining the long-term side effects and how it impacts your, your cycle and your health. And no one really talks about how to take your female reproductive health into your own hands. There's so much that goes beyond just medicating and it's there's so many things that we consider normal that isn't normal you know like painful periods and sharp pains and you know not having a heavy flow or having hormonal acne and all these different variables that are really just our body sending us a message that it needs a little bit more support but the beauty in it is that as women we have the power to really nurture our bodies and nourish it in a way that it's able to do what it was created to do. Maria, similar to me, suffered from many different chronic health issues, but she was her own healer and it was through her mindful and holistic approach to wellness that she began to really heal. And so that's what we kind of go into today. One of the most beautiful things I have heard from Maria and she says it in this episode and it is the title of this episode is you can't heal a body that you hate. After I heard this, after this conversation with Maria, I really, really like meditated on that thought. And I discovered, you know, I'm still healing from endometriosis surgery and a bunch of other stuff that I'm still dealing with. And I discovered I was still resenting my body. 
I, instead of listening to the beautiful, you know, strength and all the beautiful things that my body does for me, I was so focused on the few things that it wasn't doing well. And I realized I was speaking to my body in such harsh words and in a negative tone and not only in my conscious mind. I mean, that's very much the reality, but subconsciously. And that this, we recorded this episode two months ago. And since then I have really, really shifted how I perceive my body, how I speak to my body, how I love my body. And I still have a lot of work to do in that area, but I will say it was through this conversation that I began that journey towards truly loving the body that God gave me. And so you're going to hear a lot about that. We're also going to be just to hit some of the beats of what to expect. Maria talks about the early signs that she experienced of feeling an imbalance in her body. We talk about why health struggles can kickstart your relationship with your intuition. So if you are dealing with some form of health struggle, it might be good for good reason. We talk about how to understand your menstrual cycle and signs of an abnormal period. We discuss what trusting your body looks like and removing self-imposed pressure for healing, which again, I've been meditating on that one for so long and it's been transformative. We explain why releasing emotions is an act of self-love. If you are, if you were like me or are like my past self, if that makes sense, and you concealed your emotions and never allowed yourself to cry or to scream or to be angry or to be you know, sad, that part is definitely for you. We share the different tools that we both use to access our subconscious beliefs and ultimately change them, which is really rooted in Mary Spirito's work. Talking about, we talk about finding mentors during a healing journey, the different symptoms during each phase of your menstrual cycle, and signs that your hormones are imbalanced and how to test them. We dive very deep. And I know that was a very long intro, but Maria is a beautiful, radiant soul. You will sense in the first five seconds of her introducing herself how calm her energy is and how much she's evolved. I mean, she talks about her past without any anger or resentment, but with so much love and gratitude, which is a place that I find myself now arriving in. And you're going to learn so much. So take, take out your notes app. Get your journal. You're going to want to take some notes from this one. I hope you enjoy. Awesome. Well, we are now live. Maria, thank you so much for coming onto the show. It's so funny because we've actually known each other for (laughs) probably like 15 or so years. Um, Maria and I lived very close to each other and had a mutual friend. And so she's been in my sphere for so long. And with the warning, so funny. And um, with the work that we're both doing now, we just connected on that front. So Maria, I would love for you to introduce yourself, who you are, and also what brought you into this space. Yeah, for sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Maria. Um, I'm the Raging Nice Lady behind Raging Nice Lady um, on Instagram. Actually, we can probably talk about that name too. It's such a funny um, name that I don't really get to speak to a lot, but I got into this work pretty early on in my 20s, actually. Um, And the name Raging Nice Lady really came from my like hormonal 
imbalance um, topic that I was super into. And actually, when I was working, I was initially in education. So I was working as a teacher and a friend of mine had a bunch of like stickers on his laptop. One of them was for a beer company called Raging Bitch and had <laughs> covered it or the bitch part at least had covered it with a sticky note that said nice lady. And when I read it, I was like raging nice lady. I had been going through so much distress health wise, like gut dysbiosis, hormonal imbalances, just like dealing with general PMS that I had never dealt with before my 20s, actually my early 20s. And it just clicked. And that really just like started this whole thing for me. Um, but yeah. Amazing. I love the irony of it. Raging, nice lady. It's amazing. I would love to talk about your health journey if you're open to it. What were the early signs of you feeling imbalanced in your body? Yeah, definitely. So actually, my health journey starts um, earlier in childhood. I actually dealt with a lot of gut issues growing up. Um, since I can remember, I I dealt with like just major gut issues. I always felt like I had an issue with my stomach. I was actually hospitalized a few times as a kid because my parents just did not know what was going on. They couldn't find any answers. And I wasn't... Um, I didn't have anything necessarily wrong with me that doctors could find early, well, actually mid-teens, I would say. It started to get pretty bad, like it would actually disrupt my daily life, um, where I was dealing with chronic bloating, constipation, just like very uncomfortable in my body. And I remember having these thoughts like in my mid teens and like late teens where I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what I would look like four months pregnant. Like yeah. how come like I look like this all the time? Like it was just getting to be so disruptive. And if any of you who are listening have ever dealt with this before, it's like kind of feels like this heaviness that you just can't get rid of. Um, and so seeing doctors and not being able to get like a clear answer on what's going on was super frustrating for me. And then eventually I was diagnosed with um, IBS, which I never really subscribed to because I didn't think that I had IBS. Um, and, you know, take that if you want to, like, you know, and I just felt like there was something else there. Um, and I ended up really doing a lot of trial and error with dealing with my bloating um, felt like there was something deeper. And this is kind of the first time actually that I felt a really strong um, connection with my intuition mm. where I spoke to my gastroenterologist and basically said to him that I know something is wrong with my colon. Um, and I was 19 at the time. My doctor was very hesitant to do any kind of like, um, I don't know, internal testing, like an endoscopy or a colonoscopy or anything like that. But it was getting to the point where it was really disrupt disrupting my life. And I ended up um, getting a test done and, and it was found that I had precancerous polyps. And usually you don't get wow. a colonoscopy done. Yeah. Um, until you're 50, I believe the age is. And so- yeah. 
you know, these polyps were found. I was 19 years old. And um, that was a pretty scary thing to hear as someone who's like entering their 20s, you know, that like if, yeah, if um, these weren't like surgically removed, that in like 10 years, they could have been cancer. And I probably still wouldn't have found them until I was, you know, a lot older. And so really there, I started to understand how much I could connect with my body and understand like when something is off and when to kind of subscribe to a diagnosis or when not to and to keep kind of searching for answers. So that was a really pivotal moment in my life. And then going to college, um, well, and sorry, can I go back to some gut stuff? Yeah. So along with um, those gut issues that I was dealing with, I also discovered that I had uh, candida overgrowth. Mm. And so that's where a lot of those symptoms were coming up too. So I went through like, I was 17 at this time, actually, um, had gone through like a candida cleanse. None of my friends understood what that meant, but yeah. I you know, had to basically starve the candida. I couldn't have sugar for like six months. Um, so that was a really interesting thing, I think, as a teenager. Um, and now like in my late 20s, I kind of understand a little bit more about, you know, how candida functions in the body. But back then I really didn't. I just thought like I had a big, you know, sugar problem, which is part of it. Um, you know, but I, I won't deny like I was uh I loved junk food when I was young, so that made sense to me, and it did also, you know, affect my mood a lot. So that was really like my gut stuff was really the core of um, my health journey in my like early life. Mm -hmm. Moving on to college, that's really where this like love for understanding um, my cycle came into play. Because I had never really had a painful period before then. And it's when mm. I started dealing with like a lot of stress, um, sleepless nights, you know, drinking, eating out, all these kinds of things that happen when you're in school and you're away. Um, and I started developing symptoms that, you know, were PMS symptoms moodiness, irritability, you know, tender breasts, things like that. Um, and I just did not know what to do. I had never dealt with it before. And that kind of led me to start researching and really start understanding what was going on there. Wow. You experienced a lot at a young age, kind of similar to me, but I feel like our timelines were a little bit different. Um, Similar to you, I started to have gut issues when I was like 11, 12, just constipation, wouldn't go for two weeks, mm -hmm. felt so heavy. You know, eight, I'm sure you too, because you have a, a Greek background. Um, I grew up with live, like eating a Mediterranean diet. So it wasn't the food I was eating. My mom never bought junk food. It was just this imbalance. And I always had very painful and heavy periods, but I thought that was normal because we're not taught what is and isn't normal at that age. And kind of similar to you with the candida, in my early 20s, I had SIBO. 
I was diagnosed with IBS, which was BS because that is such a band-aid diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And it was, however, similar to you, it was through my health journey that I understood what intuition even was. I time and time again, and it seems like you had this experience as well, doctors would tell me that everything looked normal and that it's this, but it's not that. And I had done my research. I knew my body and I would really advocate for a better answer because I was not satisfied with what I was hearing. And in my case, it wasn't only until earlier this year where I got a clear answer for all of my gut and hormonal issues, which was endometriosis. But that happened at the age of 26 when all of these issues started when I was like 12 years old. Um, so I wanted to ask you throughout all of that, because it seems like you were really listening to your body. What was your relationship like with your body at the time? Did you trust your body? Did you not trust it? Were you angry at it? Were you confused by it? What, what did that look like over the years? And I guess now, now that you've arrived at this, you know, place of, of radiant health. Yeah. So I feel like I've always had a pretty good relationship with my body. Um, I think negative self-talk can definitely infiltrate when you're going through health issues like that. And it can really impact your mental health. And I think for me, it was more so um, not a distrust with my body. It was more like, can you hurry up? More like mm. expectation around what the healing should look like and um, the pace at which I should be healing and feeling like a failure if I didn't meet yeah. like this made up kind of timeline that I set for myself. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, so I'll start doing this now so that like by the summer I'll be like a hundred percent. And like, it doesn't work like that. Obviously like healing isn't linear and um, things fluctuate. And I think focusing on the small like wins that you start to notice can really help that. Um, otherwise, it's really beautiful, I think, when you start to trust your body through a healing journey because you kind of can have this dialogue with it. Like, I understand that this isn't going as quickly as I'd like for it to. And maybe this is just an opportunity for me to practice patience. And I think mm -hmm. that's something else. Like, I am big on praying for, like, strength or praying for patience and things like that. And I feel like we're dealt situations where we're able or given the opportunity to practice those things. So that was really huge for me. Um, just kind of seeing each event or experience as an opportunity to um, display my strength or be mm -hmm. more patient, if that makes sense. I love that. And I feel like you are preaching to the choir here because that has been my exact philosophy and mindset around my post endometriosis surgery healing. Three, four months ago, I was the, I, however, was very different. I was like, I have to be fully healed in three months. And, you know, before I go to Spain, which was at the end of summer, I'm going to be fully good. And then, 
end of summer would happen or it would come and I'm like, why am I not there yet? And that self-inflicted pressure and arbitrary timelines would always leave me feeling so defeated, which then would lead to this resentment towards my body. When in reality, every single day, I was silently getting better and better and better. And it was slow progress, but it was progress. Um, but really like last month I had this massive, you know, spiritual awakening or two months ago in October. And similar to what you said, I started to pray not for just healing, but for patience and for strength. Because when you are patient, when you are resilient, even if time passes and you're not, you know, quote, healing at the rate you expect or want, you still have this innate faith that you are exactly where you need to be and that you will arrive when the time is right. And I, I just love how you mentioned the patience piece because growing up, I was always so impatient with everything in my life. And this journey of mine really taught me what that looks like. And it also taught me the resilience that I hold that I never really acknowledged before all of this. Like I thought, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I thought my health journey was so normal. Like, oh yeah, it's 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 normal that I went through all that and it wasn't traumatic at all. And now that I'm here, I'm like, you know what? I've been so strong through this entire journey. And and that's something to celebrate. <laughs> it is. And it's super eye-opening, even just right now me telling you the story and you saying like oh wow like you've gone through so much at such a young age like it's so easy to forget mm -hmm. um and i think if we're talking about you know the emotional toll i mean yes like it does have such an emotional toll um and really something that moved the needle for me in a big way was acknowledging the emotions around all of that mm -hmm. um and not only with the health journey, just like in anything in life and, you know, gut issues, like not being able to digest physically, it, it very much could be something that you're not able to digest emotionally either or yes. spiritually, you know, and um, a mentor of mine taught that to me and it really stuck with me. And that really changed the game for me when I started really diving into, you know, my belief system, um, what's going on in my subconscious world, you know, because we're not always super aware of what's going on there. And it really dictates so much of what we go through and so much of what we experience and what we're worthy of experiencing. And um, that really goes, I think, with our health journeys too. Um, Absolutely. Someone had told me that many years ago. It was a spiritual coach and she said, I, I I asked her, like, why am I dealing with this in my gut? And she said, well, you digest your food in your gut, but you also digest your emotions. And this was many years ago, but at the time I did not have the tools and the awareness and the practices that I do now, but I wasn't processing emotions in, in similar to what you just said, in all aspects of life, not just health related, but relationships and my job at the time, which was very stressful and family and this and that, I would suppress and suppress and suppress. 
Whereas now, because I've worked so hard on myself and I have these daily practices that allow me to reflect and shift those belief systems, I really allow myself to feel my emotions and release in whatever way they want to be released, whether that's anger or screaming or crying or dancing, even like laughing, even whatever it looks like. And that has been such a game changer. And I think it's really beautiful because aside of just allowing, aside of just digesting your emotions, it's this act of self-love by allowing your body and your soul to do what it feels called to do. Otherwise, we're constantly resisting what is supposed to be natural for us. Completely agree, right? Like when we want to laugh, like we just start laughing like the same way. If we want to cry, we, I mean, you know, I get it like out in public, maybe like you don't feel comfortable just bursting out into tears. And I also was someone growing up that was deemed like overly sensitive. Mm. and. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I was deemed overly sensitive, um, was pretty much crying a lot at home. And it wasn't always sadness. It was a lot of like frustration. Like that's how I, that's how I kind of expressed frustration or anger and sadness. Um, I think it's difficult sometimes when you are in a home and, and there are people around that maybe don't express and are uncomfortable with expressing emotions. And then as a child, you're kind of made to feel like I'm too much or the emotions that I'm expressing are too much for for this household or, you know, just yeah. anyone. You kind of like develop this belief that like my emotions are too big for anyone, you know? I completely resonate with that. And I think it's because we come from a very similar cultural background where in my family and and I love my parents to death so this has nothing to do with the way Same. they raised me <laughs> all the unconditional love but yeah. it's really the way that they were raised where they weren't allowed to process their emotions they didn't know how to feel their emotions they were never taught that because you know their parents never were taught that and it's this generational you know lineage and and all that so in my household, when I was crying, it was, it was always like, well, why are you crying? And I'm like, I can't help it. Like, it's just coming out. But then similar to what you said, I, I felt like I had to suppress those emotions. So at, throughout my adulthood, I never cried. I honestly, it wasn't until earlier this year that I cried in front of someone for the first time in my entire life since I was a child outside of family. It was the first wow. time I've cried in front of a friend. And I remember because it was such a beautiful moment because as I'm crying, I start laughing because I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. I'm crying in front of you. And I was so excited about that because that was a moment I started to break that belief and that pattern. Um, But I want to go back to what you said about subconscious beliefs because it's so, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's very hard to access them and to get clarity on what internally that we are unaware of is holding us back or is is the reason why we do certain things or don't do certain things. So what 
tools or practices do you use that have allowed you to access those subconscious beliefs and then begin to rewrite the narrative? Yeah. So before I go to that, Mm -hmm. your story just reminded me of Cameron Diaz and the holiday. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's exactly what it has been like. (laughs) So yeah, that's, I mean, that's That's such a correlation. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so practices. I, it's so interesting. Um, I feel like in my early 20s, I was like all about um, therapy and kind of like talking through what I was going through. And I love therapy. And I I always recommend um, for people to go through therapy if they haven't. An issue that I had personally was that I felt like I kept going through the same kind of like stories over and over again Mm. without actually like getting to rewire like what was going on Mm. in my body. Um, So as much as I felt like lighter after sessions and like had more clarity and more perspective, I if I was put in the same situation or I dealt with like a trigger, Mm -hmm. my body was still reacting the same way. And so like, I would still get those feelings. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, So a lot of that changed for me. And actually like I found a lot of my healing, even with my gut stuff that kind of persisted a little bit um, into my twenties, which I don't deal with anymore was shadow work. and I have a mentor who, and I recommend anyone to, you know, hire a coach or um, to kind of guide you through these things if you're not familiar with them. But I have a mentor who kind of walked me through going through shadow work. And that's a lot of the work that I do now. But journaling is a practice that I've adopted that has helped me a lot. And I know you're a big journaler too. Yeah. <laughs> um. Breathwork is another practice that helps me to really like tap into my body and clear things that are coming up. So that's a big one. Mm -hmm. Meditation is another. And I feel like we see these things all the time. Like on, I don't know what your algorithm looks like, but I'm sure it looks a little similar to mine where it's like (laughs) kind of like these things, like just like vomited all over your algorithm. The reason, though, I think a lot of people talk about them is because they work. Yeah. Um, if applied, consi- like implemented consistently, and if you're being guided by people who are really in integrity with their work, um, and you trust them, so I think those are really powerful. Um. Yeah, dancing is a huge one for me actually and you mentioned it earlier but I have I danced since I was really a young girl and um I actually stopped in college for a while and then kind of got back into it in my mid 20s but dancing has been a huge one for me because I just feel like it's self-expression mm-hmm. like through movement and I think that's so beautiful. It's not only a sport, it's like an art form. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it's a really beautiful way for you to express yourself. And, you know, I came from a world of like choreography, but I've also realized that just moving your body in the way that it wants to move and like Mm -hmm. 
you know, expressing emotions through movement is also really beautiful. I love that. And all the tools that you mentioned, you're right. The reason why we hear about all of this so much and the reason why I preach it every time I go on my stories, on my podcast is because these tools have been life-changing for me. And what I mentioned, you know, years ago, how I wasn't processing my emotions, I didn't have all these tools yet. I was aware of some of them. Mm -hmm. I dabbled in a few of them, but not consistently. And I feel like once you create some sort of ritual or practice or some sort of commitment, you, you start to experience the magic that comes with these experiences to the point where you start to think, why would I ever go back? Because I'm learning so much. I'm feeling so much. I'm growing so much. It becomes so rewarding. And I don't know if you feel this way, but now like before I meditate or before I do a breath work or whatever it might look like, I always feel so excited because I'm like, I know I'm going to have a download today, or I'm going to visualize something, or I'm going to feel something or get clarity on this. Even the days where I'm half-assing it, or I'm not 100% energy, still showing up for myself in that way makes me feel emotionally intact. Um, but going back to what you you said about having a mentor or finding someone that can help guide you through these practices, what was the process of you finding the right person to help you on that journey? Because I know it's it's hard. Like you mentioned you had gone to therapy. It helped a little, it scratched the surface, but didn't get deeper. So I'm really curious, how do you know you found good stewards to help on that kind of path? Yeah. So I found my mentor. So I found my mentor on Instagram. Oh, amazing. <laughs> is it I Mary? Like it is Mary. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, shout out Mary. So I found Mary on Instagram. Um, and actually what I think is really cool about this relationship is that when I first started following Mary, actually she was talking a lot about like gut dysbiosis and like mm. gut issues. And I followed her at the time because I was dealing with those gut issues or I had dealt with for years, you know, and was kind of like on the road to recovery there. So what I think is really beautiful is that like you evolve with the people that you find. Um, it wasn't always that she was talking about kind of like the shadow, you know, mm. and these like emotions, but um, I really resonated with a lot of what she was talking about with kind of like the mind-body connection. And that was the path that I was already on with the um, thinking about my hormones, you know, and I was just really into that. So following Mary as a follower and then becoming a client and then becoming an apprentice and then becoming a mentee and then mm. becoming an employee, like that was a very slow, well, not very slow, but like it was a long process. Um, I think to find someone that you really resonate with, it's about putting the intention out there and really like feeling into what they're about mm -hmm. and seeing if you're also about that thing. <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. No, it does. It's 
I think you first have to be in tune with yourself, like a little bit at least aligned with what you're seeking or get a bit more clarity on what type of help you are looking for or the modalities that you're interested or intrigued by. And then I think it's one of those like love at first sight kind of moments where you instantly feel that connection or you feel the integrity on the other end. And that way you, you find that connection. And if it doesn't, if you don't, if it takes a while to find someone who could assist you, that's not a reflection of your state. It's more of, I think the universe guiding you towards the right person. And I think that comes with friendships, even Mm -hmm. mentors, romantic relationships of all sorts. A thousand percent. And I think, you know, there, there are signs that pop up. Like for me, a sign was when I had kind of just started following Mary and really like understood that we were on the same wavelength with things. I was hosting events in the city with a friend of mine called Raging Nice Ladies. (laughs) And it was all about just like meeting up and talking about our cycles pretty much because I just didn't feel like we had the space to do that. And so we would, you know, host events in the city. Um, And I had just thought to invite Mary. She already had like a ton of followers and I didn't think she was even going to respond. But she ended up coming and speaking and it was just a really beautiful event. And I told her that night that I wanted to work with her, but I was still in grad school at the time and I was just saving up some money. So I was like, you know, when I save enough money, I'm going to work with you um, one-on-one. And a few months later, I had literally been saving in like in a fund called called, like the ritual and routine fund, right? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Because I really... I was really just like picking up what she was putting down Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to be in that energy. So I was saving that money and then she announced a group program. It was called The Code. Um, She Mm. ran it for the last time last year. It was very life-changing for me. And the price of the program was exactly the amount that I had saved up. Oh my (laughs) God. Yeah. So... A sign like that, for me, it was like, okay, like I'm in this, you know? And I feel like from that point, I was like, listen, I am just, you changed my life. Like, I want to learn this work. Um, And I've really just been kind of on on the ride with her since then, because I really just believe in this stuff. Um, So if you're looking for someone to work with, feel into what they're about and just make sure it's a yes. You know, like Mm -hmm. if you get excited in your body, when you see what they're like coming out with, like programs and things like that, and you're really curious, I mean, that should be a sign or look for other little, you know, signs like that, like my fund sign. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I actually <laughs> ran into Mary over the weekend in, in, oh, at a bar you? in the city. Yeah. And she, she, I have not worked with her one-on-one, but I do the healing meditations and the energy healings and all of that. And she is such a force. And she is, I think she says this a lot where she's like, I'm not the healer. I'm facilitating the self-healing. 
And Mm -hmm. that is something that I, when she, when I heard her say that for the first time, I felt so aligned to that. And she's really opened my eyes and transformed the way I perceive this world and myself and healing and all of that. So that's such a lovely story of how you guys, how you met and how your relationship with her is really deepened. I do want to pivot on something you briefly mentioned, which was the cycle syncing. Mm-hmm. I'm really passionate about hormones because of my health journey. I know you, you're you very well-versed in balancing hormones, what imbalanced hormones look like, and obviously to your point of cycle syncing. So I would love for you to talk about a lot of things with that, but let's start with what are some signs that your hormones are imbalanced, whether it's physical or emotional? Yeah. So there are, it can be a little overwhelming, I think, um, because there are so many like overlapping symptoms with different things, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go over some. So a few that are really common are like moodiness, um, irritability, and this is like right before your period usually, like the luteal phase, right before you start bleeding, um, tender breasts, headaches, mm, like the these are like more PMS symptoms, not like long-lasting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like big ones are like the moodiness or irritability, um, tender breasts, trying to think, like achiness. Um, some more like kind of longer lasting ones that indicate that something is wrong are like hair thinning, um, like pelvic pain. Yeah, there's acne, like there are really, it's, it's so varied depending on the kind of imbalance that you have. So can I speak to maybe um an ex- experience that i had and so yeah, maybe of course. resonates with that okay so the telltale signs that i noticed something was wrong with my hormones um and there are like many different layers to this i guess so when you start bleeding something really big to look out for cuz this is like data like i really love looking at my period as like a report card for the month and like oh i love a- that yeah, it I like get really giddy when I get my period because it's like <laughs> me <too>. okay. Like <laughs> like did I get my period first thing when I woke up in the morning when I was supposed to? Yeah. No, I didn't. Okay, fine. Like am I spotting? Okay. Yes, I'm spotting. Like what does what color does that look like? Is it brown? Okay. Like that gives me data. Fine. Then when I start my period, like when the flow really starts because that's like the indicator that your period has actually started. What color is it? What's the consistency? Like those are really like windows into our health, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so an experience that I dealt with when I really was in the thick of it with my hormone imbalances um, was that I was getting my period late without being intimate. So I could rule out pregnancy. And my period was very, very light pink. Um, mm. And I also was dealing with major anxiety. So that's like, that's another symptom, right? Very, very anxious, kind of like on edge. So 
being in this world and just kind of researching a little bit, I had this suspicion that my progesterone was really low. And so I went to my doctor and I had blood work done throughout the month. I think it was, I, I got it done three times that month, um, just so that she could I wanna, track. I want to pause there for a second yeah. because I've heard mixed information regarding the blood work and testing mm -hmm. for your hormone, hormones yeah. because your hormones are changing constantly. So is that the right way to track whether your hormones are balanced to do blood work a couple times a month to depending on where you are in the cycle and then getting the full picture on where you stand so that's how that's how I did it there are other tests also like a good lab that um that people can explore if they're looking to do something like this is the dutch test mm -hmm. um they have an option for you to test four times throughout the month so during each phase and you can really get a nice picture there I was younger. I went to my doctor and she kind of recommended blood work. So that's what I went with at the time, um, which also can give you a lot of information. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong. But, you know, it is also kind of like time consuming to go to your doctor four times throughout the month and get blood work done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looking at or looking into a Dutch test would be a good option. You can do it at home. Um, so that's another way. But yeah, I getting blood work done once can give you a glimpse, but it won't tell you like the full story because like you said, there are fluctuations that are happening throughout the month and you really want to see like the the full picture. Mhm. Mm yeah. And there are actually guides around when to get your blood work taken if you're opting for blood work. So we can share oh, that in the show notes find that. too. Yeah. I yeah. need to look that up. Yeah, yeah. I can so share in that. Your case, so in your case, you were low on progesterone and you were having estrogen dominance? Yeah. So estrogen dominance due to the low progesterone. I also was not ovulating for those mm. cycles. Um, so that was a really big, I mean, perspective change for me because it got me thinking about like, what is going on right now in my life that's causing this major issue to be happening. And truth be told, at the time I was dealing with immense emotional stress, hmm. which was also another really pivotal moment for me, I guess, in this work. Um, as you can see, it's not like one you know, like one moment in time that really like got me super interested. I think going through a health journey, you're just like really digging in and digging in and digging in and all yeah. of a sudden you're just kind of like in it. <laughs> if that definitely agree with that. That resonates. Yeah. Um, so for me, I was like, do I have PMDD? Like, am I depressed? What's going on here? Like, I was also newly dating my now husband, and he would notice it too. And having someone else notice, like, you know, the week before your period, you're like really mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on? But, and I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like, I would actually feel like the world was crashing around me. Like, intrusive thoughts, um, 
just kind of like a week before my period, I felt like everything was going wrong in my life, you know, like mm -hmm. no one likes me, like no one wants to hang out with me. I, you know, just like a lot of negative self-talk. And it came to a point where I was like, okay, this is not normal. And I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to find out what's what's happening and fix it. And so I opted for supplements and diet because at the time I was getting interested in this whole world. And I felt like, you know, food is medicine. I can figure this out. I'll take supplements. I mean, I wasn't working with anyone other than my doctor at the time. So I was running these things by her and she was on board and it helped me a lot. Um, what, when it comes to estrogen dominance, what have you figured or what have you learned is the root cause of that? And there might be a few, I obviously to your point, stress and anxiety and emotional strain really does impact our entire body and especially our hormones. But is it in relation to the gut? Is it in relation to the liver? Is it in relation to your kidneys? Like what other organs should, if someone is experiencing these sorts of symptoms, rather than masking it with a birth control, because that just masks it or yeah. taking specific estrogen related or progesterone related supplements, what else should they look out for so that you heal your body holistically. Yeah, definitely like xenoestrogens. So um, cleaning up the products that you use, I would say mm -hmm. is something really doable um, that people can implement like immediately. I think cleaning up the products that you use on your skin, the products that you clean with that are mimicking estrogen in the body and just wreaking havoc that's something that that we can do to deal with that um i would say stress and high cortisol are huge culprits progesterone is a calming hormone and so when we deal with that kind of imbalance relaxing and like understanding how to manage stress would be really important for dealing with that estrogen dominance versus low progesterone Mm -hmm. reducing, um, I would say like alcohol and excessive body fat. I know like, you know, working out is very important, but like dealing with excess body fat and then also consuming excess alcohol. Those are also really big culprits too. Um, we see a lot now, like, I feel like a very trendy thing is like reducing cortisol. I don't know if you see that all over your, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important for this kind of imbalance. Just to give the listener some context with my health journey, when I started to work with a functional doctor, this was back in 2020. At this point, I had a ton of different things. I had endometriosis, but I didn't know about it at that point. I had SIBO. I had, I was very low thyroid. I was close to being anemic. And then um, adrenal fatigue and estrogen dominance. So I was, my body was very, very imbalanced. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I did, I, it might've been the Dutch test or it might've been something else. 
um, I went, the test was looking at my cortisol levels. And I remember in my first consultation with my doctor at the time, he asked me what my stress levels were. And at this point I'm meditating every other day. I'm, I have a pretty decent morning routine. I'm working out. I'm, you know, overall managing my stress to, to what I think. And I was very happy at the time. Like I was a happy, joyful person. And so in my intake session with him, I said, he asked me what my stress levels were. And I said, oh, like, I'm not that stressed. Like work is fine. Like friendships are fine. Family life is fine. My only stress is really my health. But like, other than that, like I'm low stress. And then I get my test results back. And when he looked at it, he said, I'm very confused because you told me you're not stressed, but your results look as if you are a middle-aged mother going through a divorce. Like that was my stress level. And it was very eye-opening because often we don't think we are stressed when our bodies are in deep, deep fight or flight. And through that, I did a lot of supplementing and changed my diet and, and all of these different things that facilitated that healing. But it really forced me to take a better look at external stressors, internal stressors, what something what you mentioned before of like things that were triggering me, that were putting me in a deeper fight or flight response. And, you know, all I, I believe most forms of disease stem from stress. And even with my endometriosis, I I don't I will never know this for sure, but I do think me being so stressed for 15 years of my life facilitated part of that disease in my body. Um, you know, for me though, supplementing really helped manage that stress, but it was really the lifestyle changes that brought that down. Yeah. I think we really, um, we don't give enough credit or maybe that's not the right way to say that, but like, we don't think so much about stress as like the stress that we're putting on our organs. Um, like liver distress is is huge when dealing with hormonal imbalances in general um and so that's why i talk about like cleaning up the products that you use so much because it can just kind of like lighten the load for your liver but yeah i i definitely resonate with what you're saying as far as some of the supplements and the whether it was your nutrition as well when it comes to diet and the supplementing, what have you found has been really helpful for you when you were healing? And obviously, everyone's body is so different. We all have different needs. So everyone take this with a grain of salt. But what have you found is you know a very helpful way to eat when balancing your hormones? And then what are some supplements that people can look into if they're dealing with these symptoms? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely think like going back to the basics is really important, like just whole foods and really reducing processed foods. And I say that as someone who like as a child, I opted for processed foods all the time. And it wasn't even the it wasn't even the household that I was in. My parents were actually like very health conscious from 
a young age, like I was before. Say, with, I feel like your mom was probably making Greek food every night. Yeah, I mean, not so much her. My grandmother mostly, yeah. but my mom was way more. You know, she was very like, um, like I don't know, creative in the kitchen, but always very healthy and like. The first doctor that I saw after my pediatrician was a functional doctor. Like they mm. were very much in this world, um, you know, not nearly as much as I think like we are now, but mm-hmm. because it wasn't trendy <laughs> at the time, yeah. to be honest. But I was seeing, um, you know, those doctors, she was cooking good food at home, but I was just, I was dealing with um, candida, which you know, was causing some more cravings and I was eating sugar all the time. I was eating processed foods all the time. And I think just making the simple switch to whole foods mostly was really helpful for me. But when I was dealing with like all the bloating and things like that, really what helped me was the stress levels, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Um, I didn't notice crazy change with diet. I know other people definitely would. I think the root cause for a lot of people is diet. For me, what made the most change was reducing and managing my stress. Um, That being said, whole foods, I eat animal protein. I think it really has helped me a lot um, upping my animal protein and making sure that I have enough protein a day, which actually was very hard for me for a long time. And I think like under eating is a huge issue Mm -hmm. if you're trying to balance your hormones to make sure that you are eating sufficient amounts of food and nutritious food for that matter. As far as – oh, and also hydrating. Yeah. I I say this as also someone who was not hydrating very well at the time. So – making sure that you're just doing the basic things before going into like all these kinds of other practices or getting like a whole, I don't know, cart full of supplements and things like that. Just like, I think the foundation, like getting the foundation set, which is like eating whole foods, drinking water, managing your stress, and then you can build off of that. Exactly. It's like, it's like a a video game. Like, let's graduate yeah. this level first, you know? Like, yeah. let's get the basics down. And then, like, at the end, you can, like, fight the scary monster, like, with, yeah. you know? <laughs> you know? So that's what I would say. Um, as far as supplements, like, just general supplements, I would say get, like, a good vitamin D, good vitamin C, um, good V vitamin vitamins. I've been taking um, glutathione, which I think is really good for easing stress on the liver. Something else I do is um, castor oil. That's not technically a supplement, I guess, but it's something that I really like that promotes detoxification. Do you ingest it or just put it on? No, I I put it on like physically on my skin. Yeah. And that penetrates really, really deep. And if you put it on your liver... Um, that can really help with liver detoxing, which is great. And it's also anti-inflammatory. So actually a lot of people will put it like over their, their pelvis to help with endo too. Um, yeah, so I love that. And my favorite supplement, magnesium. <laughs> oh, magnesium. Okay. Which magnesium. kind do you take? So I take magnesium uh, glycinate and also L-threonate. 
Okay. And then at night, sometimes I'll take um, like a powder that has a combination, but I like those two the best. And for the, um, I know you mentioned protein when it comes to diet. I'm very curious, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on, let me backtrack. I love starting my mornings with like a fresh bowl of fruit. I just crave it and I love like the freshness of it and the fiber and the hydration of it. I'll put some tahini on there or like almond butter. Um, is I, I keep hearing mixed, <laughs> mixed commentary on whether that is good if you are trying to balance your hormones or if you should start on, start the day with like protein and eggs and a smoothie and this and that. And part Mm -hmm. of me is like, well, intuitively my body is craving this and I want my body to eat what it's craving. But then at the same time, I'm like, am I doing myself a disservice by eating this way? Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into that. So on the topic of intuitive eating, that's how I eat. Um, And I think as long as you're not on a protocol of some kind, that's a great way to be eating in my personal opinion. Um, I think the way that you can start eating like that is if you're at a baseline with the way with your relationship with food, I should say, first and foremost, because I think, um, you know, if you have a contracted kind of relationship with food, then intuitive eating might not be like the first step. Mm -hmm. Just want to put that out there. But as far as intuitive eating goes, yeah, listening to your body and seeing what it wants. I would say I fluctuate. I actually have done like super heavy protein um, breakfasts and I've also done like papaya in the morning. Like I love papaya and tahini in the morning. Like that's, yeah. you know, like a thing that I just love. Um, and I think it actually really fluctuates with the seasons for me. I like to pull from like Ayurveda and TCM. I'm not like super well-versed, but I just, for my own personal, you know, use, I like to pull from those things. So I think like eating different things during different seasons is Mm. also something that like I subscribe to. Ultimately it's personal, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Getting enough protein throughout the day for me is really, really imperative. If you want to start with fruit and then like get something a little more substantial a little bit later in the morning, you do you. Um, But it's about what makes you feel good and what makes you feel like satiated, you know? I completely agree. And I like, I'll have my fruit first in the morning and then at night I'm having a skirt steak at home because I'm like, I need, I want the red meat and I'm craving the red meat. Yeah. And I actually think like this year, the whole like idea of like what we need to be eating for breakfast, lunch and dinner kind of like was flipped on its head for me. Um, I was randomly like kind of eating like dinner foods for breakfast and feeling Hmm. really good. You know, like like this morning I had like sardines for breakfast. It was just (laughs) like, okay, like I need like something like packed with protein right now. Like I'm having sardines. Like yeah. Sometimes we have this idea of like what breakfast should be. Um, and it doesn't always work out that way, you know? <laughs> no, I completely agree. I mean, for for however long we've all been eating 
I don't really do this anymore, but when I did when I was a kid, you would have cereal at like midnight because you were hungry and you wanted something to eat. And so we didn't have the rules back then, or in some cases we don't have these rules, but then when it comes to like meal times and when to get your 20 grams and like this and that, we put so much pressure and then it goes so far away from the intuitive eating. And I, I think what you mentioned is a really good point. Like I used to have a very poor relationship with food just because of all my health issues. I was very scared of food because I didn't know how my body was going to react to it. I'm very grateful to say I've really healed from that. So now I'm able to listen to my body's cues and know what it's craving. Um, And that's been such a tremendous shift, but there's so much, so many different ways of eating and diets and paleo and keto and vegan and pescatarian, like all the different stuff ultimately you just have to eat what feels intuitively good for you. And when you nourish your body in that way, over time, your body will learn how to balance because you're giving it so much love. Like, and I know that sounds a little crazy, but like the way you take care and love your body is, is going to be the ultimate healer. And that's something I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. I, I, completely agree with that. And I think, you know, if you're struggling, like if you have that, um, it's almost like a complex PTSD around food because you've been dealing with like gut issues, Mm -hmm. seeing someone, yeah, like seeing someone to help you and guide you so that you can find like what works for you. Because there are some foods that we're not able to eat just for like a short period of time because we're going, like we have this dysbiosis going on, you know? Yes. Yes. It's not like a forever thing most of the time. This too shall pass. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like getting help is also okay. And I think that's something that um, I've struggled with in the past where it's like, but like, I know like what to do, you know, I, I shouldn't need help. Like, it's okay. We We all need help sometimes. And I think it takes, you know, other professionals to guide you along the way. And that's that's fine. I completely agree with you. I'm now at the point where I'm actually actively asking for help in certain areas or asking people questions if I know they're knowledge in that certain topic. And ultimately, I will take what resonates and leave what doesn't. But I think even just the act of me asking for help after living a life where I thought I could handle and control everything is my, is like a subconscious way of surrendering and letting and releasing the grip of me trying to figure out everything on my own because you can't, it's impossible. And, or it's possible, but you will drive yourself crazy, which then puts you in a state of stress, which then makes everything worse. Yeah. And you know, like, I think at least with my background, so My grandparents actually, my parents for a little bit, like grew up in a village, right? Like up in the mountains of like wherever. And they really, the village mentality is, is real, you know, Mm -hmm. like having, having like a whole network of people there to support you through something is something that I feel like is lost on us right now. Yeah. Um, 
And actually I've been thinking about this a lot more in like the child raising like realm, but it applies here too, I think. Like I feel like we have adopted this idea that we need to like go through the hard stuff by ourselves and then like only celebrate the really fun stuff with mm-hmm. others. Um, because we feel like we're a burden or whatever the story is. But in reality, we're kind of wired to be, you know, support systems for each other. And I just think that's really important too to keep in mind. I completely agree. And I think it goes back to um, what you were saying before of you actively seeking your mentor, Mary, and me doing, you know, the things that I'm doing and the people that I'm working with. And it taught me like, you don't have to do this all alone. And it's so beautiful when you do act vulnerable in that way and you create that shared space. I mean, for example, I went to this breathwork class a while, like a couple months ago at a studio in in Soho and it was a release breathwork. And as I mentioned before, I struggle to sometimes release my emotions and that session really, everything came out. But there was a moment where I like needed to cry and I was, I was like resisting the, the, the tears. Like I was like holding them in and I was like stronger, be strong, be strong. And the instructor just came over, put his hand on my heart and was like, release, you got this, just let it go, let it go. And everything just poured out of me. And it was like this, it was so beautiful because he allowed me to surrender, but I also received his support because I was like, I, I want you to come and help me and let, and like help me on this journey. And that was a really transformative, not only the breathwork itself, but that moment was really transformative for me because normally I would clench and I would resist and I would say, no, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. And to be vulnerable with someone is so beautiful beautiful and sometimes really hard. Yeah, very. It's it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maria, this was so, so helpful. If is there anything else you would like to leave the listeners with? Or if you just want to give yourself a shameless plug? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll just return to what we said at the beginning where you had asked about like that one thing that you learned from your your healing journey and it's that mm. like you can't heal a body that you hate. So if I were to give everyone something, it would just be to like work on connecting with your body. If you experience a cycle, try to feel what it's like to live more cyclically, meaning to connect more with your cycle and see how that feels for you. Because that's that really is how we're meant to be living and i think we've lost that in this very like masculine energy kind of world um mm-hmm. it can be very softening to feel into that and it can also be really beautiful to see how your body reacts to that kind of lifestyle so if you're looking to learn more about that you can find me um i guess i'll do a shameless plug so everyone knows yeah. where to find me at raging nice lady and yeah, I'll be coaching actually under Ritual and Routine soon. So if you're looking to work with me, you can find me at Ritual and Routine. 
Um, and I'm actually creating something like a resource now for everyone to like implement cycle syncing way more easily in their uh, routine. It'll be like a course meets like note taking thing. So that's really, I, I haven't seen anything like it. So look out for that. Um, what else? Oh, I have a retreat coming up in Greece in May. So if anyone's looking to frolic around Greece in the spring, you should come. Amazing. And I will link all of this in the description so everyone can check you out. Thank you so, so much, Maria. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Follow me along on social media at ECNU and order my book, Beauty in the Stillness, which is available internationally in both digital and print. Everything is linked in the show notes below and I can't wait to see you all in the next episode.